Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pibus in Life of Pi. And welcome to episode 82. We have our first couples double date pod. Um, welcome, Karis and Alyssa. Hello. Hello. I say welcome, it's your house, Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're here to talk about the newest hiking trail to WA, the Yonga Trail up at Lesua National Park, which is about 20 minutes out of Durian Bay and was recently opened, I want to say, June, July. I think it was finished, but then they were waiting for the minister for August. Okay. Yep. So, yeah. This one kind of snuck under the radar a bit. Like We heard rumours that they were building it, but there was nothing really official until mm. earlier this year. They basically had started doing it, and I think that they were delayed because of COVID. There was a big delay because they announced it about a year ago, and then nothing, and then suddenly, hey, it's open. Mm. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a 26-kilometer loop with a campsite in the middle. Now, you guys decide to do this as a day hike. Why is that? Because of me. Yeah. <laughs> I basically gave Alyssa the option. I said, look, we can either camp and we have to carry a bigger pack and we have to carry a tent or we can suck it up and do the whole thing in one go. Yep. And I just felt like let's just get it done and get to 27 Ks, 27, 26, 26. I think you measured 27. Yeah, I think I measured 27 on my phone tracker, but um, 26 or yeah. 27, huh? whatever. Um, it, it wasn't achievable. I think in a day, definitely achievable. I think obviously we'll talk later about the conditions in which we hiked, maybe making it less fun. Mm. But um, I think if you've got some experience, it can certainly be done. And Karis, why did you decide for us to do this as an overnight trail? Um, I'm not walking 27 kilometres at once. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. So I have to point out, this was Karis's idea for us to do this hike. I wasn't planning on doing it this year. It'd be nice if I did. And then she, while I was away on the Mundabidi, you were like, let's do this trail. Yeah, well, I saw it um, on one of the government Facebook sites and thought, I'm going to be proactive and suggest doing something that Mark likes for a change. Um, slightly came to regret it. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about later. <laughs> Um, so obviously the big choice here is being a loop trail, which direction do you do it in? Mm. And there's no like guidelines as to what's the better um, way. So why did you, Donovan, decide to do it clockwise? So firstly, I always think clockwise is the... Organic way of yeah. of any direction. You know, I work, I work in scheduling and the clockwise route would be the primary version and then the counterclockwise would be the sort of variant of that. But also the reason was that the campsite was a little bit closer and as a halfway point, I thought that would probably be good for us to feel like, oh, good, we reached the halfway point. So that was the reason why we did it in that direction. And how about you guys? Um, so we did it anti-clockwise, um, mainly because we were doing it as we that morning drove up. It's um, you walk east to start, and I figured by the time we got there, the sun would be in the middle of the sky, um, wouldn't be too bad. And then when you're walking north, um, you just kind of have to suck that up anyway. But then towards the end of the day, you're walking west, you're looking at the sunset, you're not always constantly looking behind. And then also the next day, walking west again to start, you've got the sun behind you, better photographic conditions, and then walking south again doesn't really matter. 
which way you do it. We should have thought about that. (laughs) Uh, On a very sunny day, we should have thought about that. Yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't super sunny into our faces. Because if you look at the loop, it's a shorter way north Mm. from the the clockwise direction. And then there's a massively long section where you're heading south. Yeah. So I think it didn't really... It didn't. I mean, if you look at the photos on the long ways better, I don't think they look like they're super blown out or anything. Um, and they got it got more sunny over the day when we were facing the other direction. Yeah, because I feel by the time you guys got to where you were heading east, the sun would have been in the middle of the sky anyway, so mm. not, not a big deal. Yeah. So on that note, in order for us to determine a way of discussing this, we have a coin with an echidna on it. So we're going to take tails to discuss anti-clockwise, and you guys can have heads. That sounds fair. It is tails. Hey, <laughs> tails. Yes. So anti-clockwise. So this is doing the 14-kilometer stretch to the campsite first. Yep. And heading towards Mount Lesueur. Um So how were the wildflowers when you guys did it? And also what time of year did you guys do it? It was mid-September. And wildflowers were good. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. We've been to Lisieux a few times now, and I think that late September is better. The first time we were there was in August, and that was a little bit... Mm, still could could be a little bit of time before things were, were coming out. But for this trip, mid-September, it was pretty good, but I think it actually probably hits a little bit better towards the end of the month. I love the flowers. I wish I had taken more photos. But I feel like I have to preface my whole experience of this hike with the fact that we hadn't really done hot weather hiking for a while. And when I say hot weather, I mean like exposed sun. Mm. High UV. High UV in kind of like rocky terrain. We kind of very stupidly didn't bring sunscreen with us. Two thumbs up. Um, We did Mm. have though like long sleeve shirts um, that were 40 SPF plus. Um, hats but it got so hot wearing those things and then with the lack of breeze Mm. that we were just I felt I felt very overheated for a lot of sections of the the track so I feel like sometimes where I say oh the wildflowers are beautiful but sometimes I couldn't appreciate them Mm. because I was just so hot and just wanting to keep walking till we got to a point with breeze or shade. And I should say, this day was a 20-degree day, which is why we thought we'd be okay. Because mm-hmm. I'd prefer, if I cannot wear sunscreen and just cover up with long sleeve and a hat, I'd prefer that. So I was fine to start like that. And then as the day progressed, we were just like, oh, this is awful. It's just really hot and you don't feel like you get any relief because in the, in the valleys, there's just no wind. Yeah. Yeah, so we did this the first weekend in October and we kind of lucked out with the weather because it was raining all the way up there. And actually when we arrived in the car park, it was it started to rain and you were already doubting your decision yeah, to I do, do this one. Yeah, I also don't like to be soggy. <laughs> um, but then it cleared up and I mean, in the exposed sections when the sun was out, it was quite hot and especially the next day as well. Um, I think it was meant to be warmer, like low 20s, so I wanted to get up and out and so we'll finish by the heat of the day. But yeah, certainly, even though it's kind of not too far away from the coast, the lack of wind really hurts you sometimes. Mm. Um, so... The first section. So this shares the trail with the Mount Lesueur Trail. 
and it's very sandy, very exposed, but like prime conditions for wildflowers mm. just everywhere at this, this stage. Yeah, because it joins us with the Gardener Trail and the Lassure, so they're all part of this network, and they were the original trails in the park. And they then sort of branch off to this new trail, and you can see there's a stark like, drop in quality mm. of the trail, because <laughs> it goes from very manicured, tourist-friendly kind of trails to rough and like this is for the hardy few kind of trail because Karis you were doubting that that was the actual trail where it branches off because like it there's a, a walk to a lookout and then the younger trail just kind of starts and it's very very like o- not overgrown but like it's not a proper trail yeah someone the, just got a whippersnipper and just yeah <laughs> and it just kind of looked like rubble like you were walking in a rubble rather than a specified path yeah um, but you guys didn't do the side trip up to Mount Lassure, did you? Not by that point. That was yeah. the end. Of the <laughs> yeah. like, Get me to the car. And we, we did it in 2016, so I didn't have any reason to want to do it again. Mm. Did you do it? Yeah, I did it. Kara stayed at the trail junction because it looked like a big hill, and it kind of was. Well, I need to save my strength yeah, for later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had a lovely chat with a man from Kings Park yeah. about the wildflowers, so I was entertained. Yeah. It's a beautiful walk up, actually. The wildflowers were, were really nice. And then it kind of, you reach the plateau and it's literally just flat the whole way and just um, parrot bush everywhere. Mm. It looks to me like someone went to the Stirling Range and then just cut all the mountains off. Yeah, yeah. It kind of like, from a distance as well, because it's a big feature of this walk, it kind of looks like, yeah, flat top mesa you'd see in like Utah or Arizona. Yeah, but with plants on them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then actually joining up to proper Yonga Trail start. I'm not sure whether they count the start as the car park or this spot because it's kind of in the brochure and the, the signage. It's like 14 kilometres from here. Mm. But the start is actually very nice. Like once you get into the Wandu, mm. it's like, yeah, I can see why they wanted a, a trail through here. Yeah, and that, that's something that I think is a really nice feature of this trail and I didn't expect it is just how much Wandu there is. Uh, particularly because it would be awful if it was all heathlands. You just would be seared. Mm. Um, whereas the Wandu really made a big difference for us, definitely. Every time we saw it, it was like I wanted to hug the tree. <laughs> yeah, it was a really nice, beautiful kind of open woodlands, mm. which was really good. And so interesting, you could see how the rains recently, like the really heavy rains that have impacted the land as well. You can see a lot of the water cutting through the land, kind of maybe... Mm. Heading down to that dam. Was there a dam? Yep. Yeah. yeah. It looked um, like channels that had been cut. I just thought it was weird that the trail went so close. It was clearly like eroded over time. And eventually mm. I'm thinking the trail might just slip down into <laughs> the creek system. All but, those yeah. exposed um, roots and things. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, through here, it's as you say, it's open woodland and the, the trail hasn't been defined yet, so it's quite nice that every, like, 20 metres is a trail marker. Yeah. yeah. That's something I'll say that is really good, is that I think the trail itself is very faint and natural and clearly very handmade. Mm. And to, I guess, make up for that, they've put really good signage along the trail. Yeah. I think part of that is, is it being new as well, like not having the tread maybe is clear. Mm. But, yeah. I mean, they could have gone much more hardcore and, you know, I think a lot of trail construction, they've just gone the lazy route of just going, oh, we'll just drive a bob t- you know, bobcat through here. Yeah. And they didn't do that here. 
I did notice, especially as we're talking about it the second day, um, there's a lot of like, we're going to place a lot of sticks here. Yeah. <laughs> to kind of like fence off a little yeah. little trail. Because at points, you're kind of like, where's the next marker? And then it's just like, oh, there's sticks here pointing me in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, we came across a couple here that were out doing it the opposite direction. They'd stayed overnight. And then we were just saying, oh, yeah, great country through here. And they're like, well, the best is yet to come, which I was a bit surprised at because it was really nice coming down that creek system already. Mm. But they hadn't yeah. seen that yet, I think, because the yeah. wildflowers at our start was really amazing. So I think they probably hadn't seen the best part yet to me. Yeah. And hadn't gone through the, the creeks near Mount Lesure either. And you get to that dam, as you mentioned, which I think is probably an old farming dam. It doesn't seem very natural. No, it seems like a little bit too good to be true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like a, a little oasis for uh, cattle and sheep. From, yeah. But, I mean... It's quite circular too, I think. Yeah, and with a very obvious, like, almost rail formation type. Yeah, the wall. Yeah. yeah. And it also, I think, back in the day, you'd kind of wonder if cattle would survive here because a lot of the the native uh, plants in this area are poisonous. Like They naturally have 1080 in them. Mm. So, you know, if you were a cow or a sheep and you ate it, you'd be dead. Yeah. Yeah, the zamias, I think, are poisonous too if yeah. you eat it. So, mm. um, But, yeah, it's just from there, just a good mix of, like, wandu and open heath until you get to, like, the serious open heath where you're really exposed for quite a while and we hated this section <laughs> yeah this was this, down, the head down just push through to the end yeah this section. was to me the worst bit of the whole trail i think particularly coming the way that we did because it just was like awful gray khaki green those are the only colors you see with tiny specks of color and this is an example of something that we often argue about. Yeah. It's like you, the, the attention to detail, you know, like the, the devils in the detail is what Mark always likes to say. And through this section, you do see tiny bits of wildflower, but the majority of what you see is just this very awful looking heathlands. And for me, like one tiny flower in all of this isn't enough to save it. <laughs> That's the fun. <laughs> <laughs> Because Karis was often walking ahead of me, and I was like, oh, I found something, I found something. And it's like just like popping from side to side, photographing everything, which I kind of went a bit overboard to my detriment on this trail. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that's an important thing to say to someone is that with sections like this, it depends on what kind of view you have regarding wildflower spotting. Mark, you're a really keen wildflower guy like you know i've i've walked and cycled with you and you you know you stop so often to photograph flowers uh, i was being restrained on our last trip <laughs> um whereas for me it's you know what i appreciate of wildflowers is more when you get that general feel when you get you're surrounded by it and this trail does have it but this particular open heathland section does not have it See, I think it's all a matter of, like, the weather you get. Because we, it was quite cloudy through here for us. And just seeing, like, the endless plains and, like, the king ears and grass trees in the distance, like, it wasn't too hot to detract. But I can see how if it was slightly warm and the UV was high, it could be quite annoying through here. Mm. But yeah. I mean, there's, it, there's pretty views all around. You're not really just walking through like flat land that has nothing of value in the distance it's you can kind of see where you're going and 
where you've come from quite easily. I yeah. think this being the end for us, we'd also overheated by this point. So the rose-coloured glasses were no longer rose-coloured. Yeah. <laughs> they were bright red. <laughs> yeah, they were bright red with rage. Yeah. Like your skin colour? So you really I'm sure red? there were like things that we just didn't notice because we were kind of in that space yeah. of like, get to the shade. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think resentful would be the word. <laughs> Whereas I can see what you're saying, Mark, about the beautiful sweeping plains and the, the view of Mount Lassure mm. as well from that point. Like, mm. under cooler conditions, I would have definitely been able to take in and enjoy. Mm. I think this was around the time you really started to regret coming on the hike, wasn't it, Karis? I don't, I don't know about that. I think it was more when it just seemed that the campsite was getting further away rather than closer <laughs> <laughs> and the hills the hills got larger as well yes so yeah, as you reach the, the top of the hills through here you do get views of the north and the west of the park and mm. there's kind of like you can see where the trail might go if you're not really aware of where it does go mm. i think it's it's quite interesting because the route for the trail through this bit is quite uh particularly coming the other way quite deceptive because you see the flat top mesas and you think, oh, we're not far from it. If this is if you're heading clockwise, but you actually kind of really overshoot it, and it goes in this sort of tangent around the back. And because of that, you know, I think we thought we were really close to the end, and it was just that extra bit of disappointment when you <laughs> realise that you're not near the end. I kind of used that on the second day. I was like, see, Karis, that's where we have to go, and it just it never really appeared to get closer. <laughs> <laughs> So I apologise for that. Good. Although this was your trip, so you, no one to blame but yourself. He held that against <laughs> me the whole time. I'll say that when you get to the, the laterite ridges, mm. love it. I absolutely love the sections because these sections here, the plants are not as like khaki, grey, boring looking. There are a lot of them are like in bloom. And especially when we went, it was like you were just walking through fields of wildflowers. Mm. And because of that, that's that's what I like. I like when you get that, you know, you can just see through your whole peripheral vision just colour. And you definitely get that across the laterite ridges, more so than the flats. Mm. And that sea breeze oh. coming off the ocean. <laughs> yeah. I remember every time we got up really high, we would, like, stop and just, like, <laughs> let, it break, let it brush over us. Uh, yeah, I remember getting to the top of one of these hills. I could see rain in the distance, like where we were going. I was like, "Oh, that's not going to be fun if we if we get caught in that." But I think we survived pretty well without getting rained on. I think just past this hilly area, you go back into a patch of wandu, like you skirt the edges, and that was really cool. Cause I think we saw some galahs and got really close to a black cockatoo as well. The one that flew up to see what we were doing? Yeah, where we stopped for lunch. Yeah, that was a, a really nice spot. I think we saw, like, so many birds on this trip. Mm. Now that I remember, it was constant, like... Oh, the corellas like, through here. Yeah. They're like really noisy. Never-ending, like, squawking. Yeah. And we we would have seen at least three or four different types of uh, cockatoo. And parrots and... Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And angry pink and greys. There was yeah. one that was really, really pissed to see us there. Yeah, I think I've got a good shot of it, like, feathers out. like oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> get away from my area. There must be lots of nesting spots in those wandu trees. Because mm. mm. I was reading, I think it was 
in a book that I've got that the Wandu there only takes like 30 or 40 years to reach maturity. And oh, it just really? Kind of stops. So, yeah. I mean, it doesn't take too long. I'm sure there's older examples, but they reach full height after about 40 years. Yeah, because there were some that were really wide, which suggested to me that they were quite old. Mm. Um, and you just don't see them like that very often, particularly in, you know, near Perth where they've logged. Mm. You don't see it as much, for sure. Yeah. And then, yeah, more laterite ridges going after that, leading towards the campsite. And this section, I mean, we only did 14 k's for the day, but it did feel like it dragged on quite a bit. I feel like I logged maybe 15 or 16 k's. It did feel a bit longer and my tracker also said it was a bit longer as well we also felt it was longer (laughs) (laughs) um but i liked i liked a lot of the laterite stuff and i liked the mix uh i think they're trying to separate the the this is really hot and uncomfortable aspect objectively if you if you just take out the uncomfortable part the scenery is really nice uh particularly because it's just through the ridges you know and you get that nice mix of you're up high and you get wildflowers mm. and then you're into like a valley that has wandu and that's a really nice mix. Uh, there was some sections here though that I thought the track construction was a little bit dodge uh, in really? that, you know, because I, I kind of feel like WA is a little bit um, risk averse sometimes with their trail construction and here there were bits, there was a bit of a, on the laterite breakaway that literally was a bit breakaway um, for you guys, you would, would have been going up, so it wouldn't have been as bad. But coming down, I felt it was like, oh, this is actually slightly risky uh, for WA. I remember going down a bit. There was like, yeah, I couldn't see where the next marker was. I was like, well, we must go down here. And it was mm. kind of like, yeah, pick your footing, otherwise you might slip. But other than that, it wasn't too bad. It's It was a, a ridge section that was quite sustained, and then you go down... I can even show you the photo just to see what it looks like. So that's that's the bit, and co- coming down it, mm. it was a, it was it's fine, but if people don't have sticks and they're going down, it could be a little bit iffy. And I was surprised that they went with such a semi-natural approach rather than putting in something to you know they could mm. easily have put something where you went around it and there was a bit more stepped, yeah. and they didn't do that. Mm. Maybe I didn't notice because around this time I realized my camera battery was dying uh, and I went to go search in my bag for my spare one and realized I hadn't put it in. So <laughs> I was a little disappointed that this a little. wouldn't be going on the, the website. Um, but yeah, I got over that pretty quick because it was it's stunning scenery. I was like, I may as well just enjoy it for what it is rather than let this ruin my whole experience. Yeah. Was this the section where it kind of felt like there was probably potentially waterfalls at one point in time or like it was kind of almost like a um yeah uh, what's the word i'm trying to find a gorge almost where maybe water flow had um eroded there was a section that was like a quite a rocky creek bed Mm. um and that was you know that this section i think had more of that kind of rugged terrain Mm. there was a mix of that and then there was a bit where we went up to near the top but there was all like massive boulders so I, I think I really like rocks, so I really enjoyed it. Oh, so sweet. Yeah. So simple. Now I remember that rocky <laughs> section because I was like, oh, yeah, that would make a good photo. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Is that where we heard the emu in the distance? Uh, a bit beyond that, but, yeah. Karis, I think earlier you'd be like, Is that an emu? And then we'd stop for a little bit 
and you just hear this like da-dum, da-dum. I was like, that's an emu. <laughs> you never saw it though. Yeah. I think we saw emu poop. But that's <laughs> yeah. We did see a few kangaroos and wallabies along here, but nothing emu-esque. Mm. Mm. Did you see the cave? There was like a... No, no. I remember reading or seeing it in your post. I mean, I don't remember that at all. It's It was along the creek, and I, th- I think coming the way that you did, it would be more unlikely that you'd see it. Mm. But um, Lou said that she didn't see it either, mm. um, even though you can clearly see that there was a cave. Yeah. Um, it's it's only a small one, but I felt that it would have been nice if there was signage, because I don't know whether it's like something that was an indigenous significance cave that we shouldn't be entering mm. because it's so easy to, to do it just off the track people will do it yeah. so i think just a little bit of information would be good yeah because there wasn't really much interpretive signing because i mean they've named it the yonga trail but then apart from at the head um the car park there's not really much information about the Nomao people yeah mm. the indigenous heritage of the area and like what where they used to go and you know what they did while they were here if they were you know, hunting, where were they hunting, what yeah. were they hunting, that kind of thing. Even the pastoral history of why there's a dam there would, you know, there's stuff like that that would be yeah. great to know why these things exist. Mm. I think I read in looking this up that it's very close to the edge of Noongarbuja. Like, it's as as very close to the edge of as north as it goes. Mm. So, like, the UED people would be, I think I'm pronouncing that right, would have been the people of the language group of this area. So... Yeah, we would love be lovely to know a bit more information. And I mean, hikers want to know this stuff. They they're thinking about the land and mm. and I like I I personally like to know the history about these things. So it would have that could be an opportunity. Yeah, mm. throughout, like you said, to put some more information. Mm. And then reaching the campsite, um, we finally did. It just felt like it was forever and forever away. Um, but reaching the campsite, you're kind of like on the side of these ridges and then all of a sudden it appears and you're like, huzzah! <laughs> Did you find that you were f- struggling to find any official path to walk to the yes to the actual like yes. hut itself and space? Because I was like, am I supposed to be walking here or am I going to get in trouble? Or? Yeah, so <laughs> the way we came in, it was already past sunset at this stage, like last light and we'd kind of found our empty platform that we were meant to be staying at but and we'd, then we'd spotted that that um track as well the car track for access that, yeah the so we knew track. it was we must be nearby yeah. mm. but i it kind of felt like we were missing like a pathway to it or something mm. especially when you know the time went on we realized we'd done 14ks where is our campsite yeah. <laughs> it was like the, the toilet block came into view and then like the official younger campground sign which is a bit weird because it's you can't drive in there so why is there this like giant Very sign? Clear like it's, you know it's a campsite. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that that is quite common in in other states when you, you come to campsites. You get these the same sort of signs that you see at car camping spots, and this is the first time that we've had a paid campsite mm. on a trail, and maybe they're trying to go for a similar kind of feel. I don't know. Yeah. So at the campsite, you've got the main shelter, which is like a like a bib style shelter. It's just a sleeping platform that's semi covered, a bit a bit more simple. Like there's no benching or anything. Yeah, and then you've got three tent platforms, which while they're very large and they say they can fit up to I think it's eight people, um, the actual usability of them is severely lacking mm. because really you're going to be putting a tent up there. 
and there was no latching points there was no like rope tying areas we relied on like ones that were already there that people had macgyvered in there Mm. i mean my nemo hornet it's fairly freestanding but to get the outer layer on you need to tie it down to something and that just doesn't happen and they're so large that you can't do it either end mm. by like tying rocks to it or something it's it's a bit odd mm. it's, it's one of those things i think the tent platforms are a move in the right direction from having to build massive huts on every trail because that's mm. hugely expensive and i think that has limited trail construction in wa because it's very campsite oriented and the huts being the central sort of structure ends up becoming quite expensive to build I think that the tent platforms, you know, we want to, we'd love, I'd love to see more of those, like the Cape to Cape could use them mm. um, and other trails that in the future, uh, but they could have learned a lesson from Tasmania. You know, Tasmania have these chains that are retractable and then lock in place, and you can use those as your attachment points. So something like that, which I don't think is that expensive, and I don't think mm. it's that difficult to create, mm. that would have just made that easier. Because I know Lou had that same conversation with me. She said it wasn't easy and she has a non-freestanding tent. So she said it was awful. Mm. You could see everywhere people had like giant like rocks they'd foraged for to use as weight points. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean the campsite itself, beautifully positioned Mm. over nice like Wandu woodlands looking over a valley. It was a nice spot. I mean we did got there a little bit too late but it was quite pleasant. It was this. We had a little bit of time as the sun was setting to sort of set up, set up camp while we still had some light. Mm. Ate our cheese sandwiches. We did. <laughs> <laughs> we had our, we had like our lunch that we'd packed, and we were also lunch for the mosquitoes. See, we didn't find it too bad. Like there was a few flying around, but it wasn't annoying. Yeah, and I'm an. I seem to attract them a lot, so I was actually quite happy with how little we were bitten. But we were pretty vigilant at spraying and things like that. Mm. So I guess the question here is, what do you think about the fact that you have to pay? I'm actually all for it. If it means mm. we get these facilities, um, like if that's a decision of yes, no, whether people have to pay for the campsite or it doesn't get built, I'm happy to pay the 8 or $12 or whatever it was. Um, it was 16 16 It was it was very affordable. 16 for two people or six or 16 for one? One. I think, you, one. One. I think you just pay for the, the platform. Yeah, you pay for the platform. Which is pretty affordable. I mean, if you've had family of four and you were paying that, it's still affordable, so. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like it pays for the facilities. It means you're not going to rock up and it be full or you're overflowing. Like it's yeah, I have no problem with it at all. And I think it helps manage the numbers so that you're not going to get a ridiculous amount of people coming through. Because mm. I think, you know, we're now seeing a lot of people joining the hiking fraternity in the last few years. Yeah. Um, and there is a bit of a problem where some trails are just getting really hammered. And so having that limitation is good. I personally would love to see 10 platforms, as I said, on the Cape to Cape, because there's environmental impacts as well from like tent pigs going in. Um, you know, like Mount Duckworth campsite is awful. Mm. Uh, it's uninviting. If you put a few tent platforms in, it would be better. And really, if they charge for the, the Cape to Cape, I think it's feasible to charge. Maybe not so for the Bib and Mandabidi because they're so long, like it would just cost too much. Well, it's also like, I think it's not like Tasmania where you have dedicated rangers that can actually monitor it. It's It, it will kind of be a volunteer kind of thing. But again, like if you get to a 
a campsite and you say I've booked this tent platform and someone's there they're not really going to argue with you yeah so I think it's yeah it's good to have the option if we get more trails because of this fantastic yep I remember you liked the water oh yeah the water was really (laughs) good because our water we had like I had a little bit of water still on me actually I had quite a lot of water still on me but it was like very hot water. Uh. <laughs> so, and the the way they've put the water tank because the hut take is facing north, and it's positioned behind the hut, so it was just like cold, delicious water. And I was like, I'm gonna fill up straight away. I think you dunked your hat in, in like yeah, well, I wet my hat and then put hat. it on. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it was we were so hot at this stage, and this is only like twelve k's in, yeah. <laughs> not even halfway. I have to taste the water next time because I brought like my cedar summit bladder, so okay. I still had plenty. And someone doesn't drink a whole lot when she's told to, so didn't really need to use all of that. Plus, we anymore. could have gotten lost. We might have needed that water. <laughs> Pacing yourself exactly. Yeah. Um, so day two for us. So waking up was was really nice, beautiful sunrise. We had a bit of rain overnight, so the tent was very wet. As were your shoes. As were my shoes because I didn't really pack everything. And I didn't expect too much rain. Mm. <laughs> so I left my shoes out. Um, but yeah, everything was fine. It was a nice morning. On that, I had a question, which is, were people staying in the hut? Or the shelter, I should say? Yeah, so there was, I want to say, two or three people there. Because mm. we didn't actually go and check it out. Because it, it felt like we didn't book it, so we couldn't really look at that, it. It's like you're in someone's house. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to ask. Because I feel like there's no clear etiquette about... If it's raining, can you sit under the shelter? Can you put your pack under the shelter? And I think that a bit of clarity about that would be good because on the the Mundabidi and Bibbleman, if you are in a tent, you might go, oh, I'll put my tent, my my backpack in the hut. Mm. And I don't know if you can do that here. Well, on that, even like having a little tiny like woodshed type thing next to the tent platforms would be good because like we like the Nemo Hornet that I have isn't really built for two people so we had all of our gear in the vestibules and then some inside Mm. whereas like a little like woodshed you could put your packs there they'd be dry you didn't have to worry about it but yeah even just like walking up to the water tank I was like I'm going to make some noise here am I going to disturb these people Um, yeah it wasn't too bad Mm. And the toilet was actually really nice and really clean. I guess that's because it was new. But And even just like the addition of having sanitizer in there, which I feel yeah. like mm. pre-COVID would not have been a thing. So it was actually nice <laughs> to have that available. Yeah, And it I actually like had toilet paper, which is another great thing. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So yeah, advantage of having a new trail. I feel like this yes. one's going to be looked after for at least a couple of years. Yeah, I feel like the, the team around there, because we've done the Ued Pona, which is another trail there that they built about two years ago. And it feels like they just really care about what they're doing and they want to make really enjoyable trails that are quite unique. Mm. So I think that the, the team up there seem to care. It's like, it's like um, you know, you've met the guys at Fitzgerald and you said like they really care about what they're doing. Yeah. And I think if you've got a park like this that really matters because of its botanical significance, you do care. Alright, so day two, um, I made a navigation error to start with. I started walking down the vehicle track because I was like, uh, it must go this way because <laughs> we walked in in the dark and then Karis was like, nope, let's go the other way. 
And you I was were right. Correct. You yes. were correct. You're always Yay. correct. Remember this day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, once we found the trail, again, just like really nice wandu through mm. here. Um, and in the morning light, it just looked fantastic. I think this was my favorite part was the section, well, for us, the section heading into the campsite with those kind of, uh, for us, it was kind of going down the kind of cliffy bit uh, into the Wandu. Mm. And for us around there, the, all the the kind of flowers, the big kind of bushels of flowers, I think that was really a beautiful... You're talking about that spot where there was just like flowers yeah. everywhere. Yeah, that was my favourite. And I think it was still overcast and we weren't angry with the sun. <laughs> so it was a good moment of the day. Yeah. And past there, you get back into like the, the ups and the downs of the going into gullies and up and rising over the hills. Um, yeah, just it just feels like you're always seeing something new. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those... This bit, this day is more so than the other day, one of those days where... As soon as you get bored of one landscape, the next landscape comes in. So I think this day is maybe slightly better in that sense, in that it's it's a more solid day of the trail in terms of everything being nice and and enjoyable. And it has the there's the section where it's like really open and grassy, and it it almost looks a bit too manicured to be real. Clearly, because the kangaroos are obviously mowing the lawn they're the gardeners <laughs> yeah and that's has that section it has like those piles of wood blocking the trail as you were saying yeah this is where i really started to notice it but yeah it's again one of those sections it's open grassy land and then you go into like shoulder height heathland mm. and it's kind of like a tunnel as you go in and then yeah more open woodlands and those like weird little like oasis pools yeah Tiny puddles that just spring up and they, they just seemed like a little little bit like, are they spring-fed? Because mm. why have they survived when everywhere else is dry? Yeah. I feel, yeah, because they weren't really rocky areas, that's the thing. Mm. So maybe they were spring-fed. Mystery of the park. Yeah. But they you know they probably provide for the life because I, I particularly was quite surprised by how much bird life we saw in the park and a lot of kangaroo footprints. So clearly mm. it's supporting life. Even though for humans, it's like a pretty hot and nearly arid, died you know? down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an uncomfortable area. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for three, four months of the year, it's probably very livable. But then during summer, it must just be torturous out there. Mm. Like kind of very exposed, very dry. And like some of the leaves I wouldn't have thought would be very nice to eat if you're a kangaroo. No. They're kind of very hard or leathery. <laughs> yeah. Too crispy. Yeah. Um, but around this section was the area we figured to keep Karis going, we needed to keep her talking. Okay. Because otherwise we... you'd get quite annoyed that it was very hard and you just wanted it to end. Is this where we started processing all my childhood trauma? Probably. <laughs> As or, you do on a long hike. Yeah. What else are you going to do? Or deciding which Harry Potter movie is your favourite. <laughs> <laughs> that lasted about a minute. I mean, it wasn't a really hard question. Which one? <laughs> Um, I actually really like Huffler Prince. I do too. Yeah. Because you find out more about Snape. I can't remember what I really like. I mean, I like sort of the drama and the funniness about like Ron and his girlfriend and all that stuff. <laughs> one, so, one. Yeah, one, one. one. And it's got my favourite quote in it where Daniel Radcliffe gets hit on the head when he says he's the chosen one. But 
I am the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mark? Since um, we're on this divergence. Probably <laughs> the half of Prince or Prisoner of Azkaban. Interesting choice. Mm. Well, it's just, it's a well-made movie. Like, technically, it's a very good movie. And it's also where the, the child acting stops becoming a massive problem. <laughs> yeah, I... I don't have a favorite but i have two that i hate and that's the first two yeah. <laughs> i like typical don can't talk about what he likes but <laughs> <laughs> just because the others are good i enjoy all of them but i hate, hate those first yeah. two hate especially i hate number two because me I, too i hate dobby so much <laughs> i just hate the pacing like there's one bit where they're trying to like the quidditch teams are having a fight and it's just like you're a big meanie and then like two seconds later it's like no you're not <laughs> it's like uh, anyway, yep. back to the trail. What do you hate about the trail? <laughs> I have nothing bad to say about this section. You know, we like, really like this. Is my favorite section. Like this, I think if I had to choose halves, the first half of the day, obviously also not as hot. Yes, yeah. but um, in terms of the scenery, I remember you and me being like, "This is really great. I love the way they've like cut the track. Like it's really interesting. The range of terrain and the flowers." Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I like the second day too, but I feel like it the fact that it diverges from the course back to the start so significantly mm. made me dislike that. Whereas this day, the route that it goes, you feel more so than the second day that it just is like they've picked really nice areas that they really want you to see, um, which you don't often have in trails, I think. Sometimes there's like expedi- a lot more expedience, whereas this was like quite clearly crafted specifically to go to good places yeah because at certain points so like higher up you're like oh i can see mount lasura and that's where we went to finish and then all of a sudden you're going in a completely different direction you're like well this is gonna take longer <laughs> <laughs> Which wrong way guys didn't mention to Karis at the time when you showed me where the mountain was in the distance i was like that is way too far away it we're never gonna make close, it though. not to me um, <laughs> Um, I have to point out that Don was struggling to keep up with me at this point. At the start. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because you were powering through to end it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, right, let's get this done. And I was moving at a very fast pace. And Don was like, Alyssa, slow down. I can't keep up. Yeah, because I was, I was doing a mark. I was taking photos of wildflowers. Yeah. Also, I was a superior hiker at that moment. I'd like to mark yes. this on tape. I mean, look, I, look at this mark. I took yeah. photos. Like, I actually took photos of wildflowers. The, the paper flowers, they're very nice. That was one thing that I was really um, amazed at is the paper flowers, they're like, some were really white, some were really red, there were pinks. Like, there was just a lot of variety yeah. throughout the whole trail. And Interesting to see also same flower, different slight spots or obviously access to the sun, mm. different colour variations yeah. as mm. well. Because I think you just saw so many flowers throughout the whole day mm. or two days. You were able to see quite a like nice variety in terms of one species. Mm-hmm. Mm. I was quite impressed with the, uh, the chitics here, the orange kind of spiky ones. Because you get them down near Esperance and I guess they're kind of very similar terrains in terms of... Um, like the geology and the, the climate as well. But I quite enjoyed seeing those because mm. it was like a good flashback to all of my other adventures mm. down near that area. And there was some there was some nice sections that were like, you know, literally like you're walking through a corridor of flowers as well. So that was just 
you know, I love that about Lucio. Is like at the peak season, you get that just, you know, you just don't see, you just see color everywhere. Mm. Yeah, and then towards the finish, you guys would have had to be downhill, but for us, it was the last hill. Oh my god! And this, it literally broke you. Like you had an existential crisis going up this hill. (laughs) They always happen like literally just before the car or the hut too. There was still an hour to go, I think, at this point. No, it was it was the final hill, but mm. it seemed like an hour. It did seem like an hour. I was like, why do I think I could do hard things? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just like, it's not that bad. Like, you, you can do this if you just keep up a rhythm, but you're like, no, I have to stop every 20 metres, and then it kind of like, evolved into, I want to do this, but I know you enjoy it, and then we won't <laughs> be able to do it if I can't do it. <laughs> it, it, was, it was, yeah, a bit of a time. Um, I had sort of not done a lot of um, exercise in a while um, which impacted it and I do have um, chronic back pain and it had come good and I hadn't thought about how carrying a pack and being on my feet for two days in a row would impact it so Mm. I was actually in quite a bit of pain um, and just realised I just have to pace myself or do shorter days so it was a bit of a self-realisation especially Um, heading towards the end of all that yeah to really Mm. feel it exactly Exactly. And this is rated as a class four hike, so it's not No one told me that. <laughs> um, yeah. To be honest, this is all on me because I probably should have realised you hadn't done like much exercise leading up to this and I should have put my foot down and said, you probably won't enjoy this at all. Mm, I think in my head I had thought it was going to be flatter and I don't know where I got that idea from. <laughs> and then it was the day before we were going and I was talking to a friend at work and he'd already done the hike. And I mentioned something about, oh, yeah, it should be too bad because it's flat. And he goes, mm. <laughs> <laughs> And then I, I probably should have listened to that a bit more. <laughs> yeah. I feel like undulating is the descriptive word. Very undulating. Like, you wouldn't say that there's any, like, extreme, like, ascents and descents. But, like, it's a very even pace up, down, up, yeah. down, mm. up, down. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, this was my first time to the Sioux National Park, so I didn't have any reference. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that last hill was, I think, like 100 metres vertically up. Which at the time I didn't realise and I was like, we got home, I looked at it, I was like, oh yeah, that was actually a big hill. Mm. It was. But I did like, um, because you had the sort of, you know, the orangish rocks and things around and then there was, I don't know what the the flowers were called, the ones that were white and pink and red. The paper flowers. The paper flowers and you saw them in all different colours. Are they the iced vovo flowers? Yes. Yes. Yeah, those ones. And they just looked so pretty and there was such variation. Um, So that... I mean, it didn't take away much of the pain, but just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Some distraction. It was. Mm. It was but at least pretty. it was the last bit. So you would have had then a descent Yeah. from yeah. that high bit Along down the, to the car. the vehicle track, yeah, to the yeah. car park. Mm. And it did feel like it stopped suddenly. Like, I just, like, resigned to the fact that I was going to be on this trail forever. <laughs> <laughs> and it was never going to end. And then all of a sudden we stepped onto one of the other tracks. I was like, oh, my God, we're here. We're at the end. Yeah. And you perked up quite a bit. <laughs> I did. I mean, they would never come. The bakery was in sight. Well, not in yeah. sight, but in my mind that it was closer. Yeah. In your mind's eye. It's, I think, on the topic of vehicle tracks, I one of the things that's really good about this trail is how little of it is on vehicle tracks. Mm. There's, a, there's a bit here and there, but, you know, there's a lot of trails in WA where they've just gone, oh, the vehicle tracks exist, we'll just, we'll just put the trail on here. And they've cl- clearly gone, no, 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 Let, let's just try and see if we can avoid using it to take to take it to excellent places. Mm. And then when it is expedient and it makes sense, we'll put them on there. 
And whenever a vehicle tracker did appear, I wasn't like, oh. I was like, this is actually good. Alyssa and I can walk together and it's it's nice mm-hmm. because it was it was so limited. Whereas on the Bibbleman, I sometimes get a little bit annoyed when it's like just long sections of vehicle track. Yeah, I mean, there's like, there's, uh, I mean, the bits where the exposed heathlands feels like a vehicle track, and it probably was at some stage, yeah. but you don't get the, the sense that they would ever use that unless it was like an extreme fire situation. But it's not like a two lane broad vehicle track yeah, either. Yeah, it's just wide. Yeah. I mean, you'd hope with a purpose built track that they would, you know, spend the money to put it through there, but then the Wilman Billia, they kind of got a bit lazy through some. A lot of that is just like fire trail. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, they've done a very good job. Um, I think the length at 26K is like it's perfect if you want to have the drive up from Perth, do one day camp and then finish and drive back. It's perfectly suited for that. Mm. Or if you do what you guys do, then camp overnight somewhere else close by it as a day walk and then camp again at night yeah i think this is the first time i felt like there's a trail in the right direction and we talked about the wheelman billia i think that there's potential for greatness but there's problems obviously with how that had been burnt immediately after opening Mm. um but this trail felt like okay i i think this is a step in the right direction because this is quite a unique environment it's very different whereas Wilman Billia to me is like well, I could see the same scenery on the Bibbleman to a large degree, whereas there's not many trails that have this kind of scenery, and there's no trail that's an overnight. Um, you know, we had a friend who said that it's a little similar to the Coastal Plains Trail, but again, it's not that similar. Like the the flora of the Quangan Heathlands in Lesieux is quite different to Yanchep. Plus, you, you never get the sense you're near anything. Mm. Whereas in Yanchip, it's always like, there's a road there. I can hear cars because the highway goes nearby. Whereas this is quite isolated and you feel in the middle of nowhere, basically. Yeah. It has what I love about some parks in Tasmania where there's some points where you can just stand and look around and imagine that, that there is no world beyond the park. Mm. And that's quite rare in the south of Kalbarri sort of areas. Mm. You just have to close your eyes on the drive, sorry, because it's quite cleared on the way in. Yeah. yeah. What were your guys' thoughts on the trail as the other halves that have been dragged along? Generally. I really enjoyed it. I think, like I said, if the if the sun hadn't have been such a factor and maybe we had a planned ahead and bought some sunscreen so we didn't have to be so covered, mm. um, I think I would have enjoyed it later eight nine out of ten experience Mm. but i think my day was probably more at a six seven but i don't blame the trail makers for that (laughs) i blame the sun do you think it would have felt less or like horrendously hot if we had broken it up into two days um probably i think yeah i think if we had taken in consideration our personal liking for not hot weather for cooler weather um and then maybe camped in between to break it up a bit to cool down halfway whereas i felt like because it was 27 26 27 k's of like in exposed walking through hot through a hot space i feel like yeah we would have had more opportunities to enjoy and take it in a bit more Mm. 
But I would definitely, I would do this again if um, if it was overcast. <laughs> I would totally do this again. I can see, I can see its merits, and I think it's a great hike, and I would definitely recommend it to people. Um, yeah. You need Saruman like commanding the clouds. Yeah. Over. <laughs> there were moments where the clouds did go over, and it was like, oh, like just like praying to the gods in the heavens. Thank you. Please stay. And then before you know it, it would like open up again and then you're feeling... I definitely got burnt on this trip, which was not fun. But mm. yeah, and we'll live Karis, and as a swan song to hiking because you'll never do it again. How That's is not this? true. <laughs> um, it was a really beautiful trail. I think the time of year we went was a big part of that with all the wildflowers being out because I wanted Mark to take me on a wildflower trip. So I got one of those this year. Um, I love the fringe lilies seeing them now we've got some in our backyard but at the time I was like that's what they look like um but yeah the the issues I had were were my own not the trail so if I did it again I'd be better prepared but I probably won't do it again <laughs> I also um had an issue that didn't arise until I got home oh yeah I forgot about this <laughs> yes well, well one our car broke down on the way home and cost a lot of money to fix so that wasn't great and I had to get my mum to rescue me while Mark hitched a ride with the tow truck um and then when I got home and was waiting um, for Mark to come back from picking up our dogs, I stripped off to get in the shower and found a tick had embedded itself in my boob. And I've never had a tick bite before. So I called Mark and said, what do I do? And he was like, don't touch it. I'll be home soon. And then he was like not home for an hour. So I was just like showering around the tick um, to get all the gross sunscreen things off me. And then waited for him to come home and it came out fine. I've still got a bit of a mark there and it was very itchy for about a week. I think you got off lightly. So I had to then go to the chemist to get um, some water off. To kill the tick before we pulled it out. Yeah, Yeah. because otherwise it can inject more poison, which we tried to avoid. I think you've done well. There's not poisonous saliva that annoys you. Or irritates the, the skin. Anyway. Yeah. So check yourself for ticks if you've gone hiking. Yeah, Don yeah. got a tick. We've Out of all our years of hiking, touch wood, we've never had ticks until today, until that day. I had one on my leg once, remember? There was that one no, time. I don't remember. We went hiking with your brother. But this was the first time where there was like very clearly, you know, like we always go, go to check for ticks at the end. And there it was, but it didn't attach. So we think it was probably like on my shirt. And as I took the shirt off, it had come on to my skin. Whereas mine had, like, gone under my shirt, gone under my sports bra and latched itself on like it really wanted to eat me. (laughs) Was yours on your boob, Don? (laughs) No. Not far off. It was on his side. It was making its way to his boob. (laughs) I I guess we should talk about, like, the paradox of this trail is it's, it's the best when the weather isn't the great or the conditions aren't the greatest. Yeah. So wildflower season, the UV um, is quite high in early spring and spring, mm. but that's when you want to see it. So it's kind of like, do I go in winter when it's cooler but the wildflowers aren't as great or do I go in spring when there's a chance the weather could be quite hot and annoying? I'd, I say and as much as I don't enjoy hot weather, it's a case of suck it up and smile and just you know just deal with it (laughs) because if if you're there at the wrong time of year it will just be gray and khaki the whole time whereas if you're there during wildflower season it makes a difference and we were there in august uh 2016 and it wasn't as nice as 
late September 2018, 2019, something mm-hmm. like that. So I definitely think it's one of those where it's like, just suck it up. Yeah. And definitely don't do this over summer. It oh. would not be enjoyable at no. all. Or safe. No, not safe. So any final thoughts from anyone apart from big thumbs up for this trail? I think that this is a, I hope this is a sign of things to come. Uh, there's been a lack of of investment in hiking trails, particularly I think the there's been a big plea for the state to produce long day walks or one day overnighters rather than going, oh, just do the Bibbleman. So this was a good example of something that serves both purposes and was in an area that's different because I feel like because the Bibbleman is so long, we've seen a lot of the Cary Forest. We've seen a lot of the Jarrah Forest. There's more other landscapes to see. And it was just great to have something that I felt was a very unique experience that I've not seen anywhere else in WA on an overnight hike. I guess the issue they have is like, most of the other areas that aren't Jarrah or Cary have been cleared already. Mm. So it's nice to have this pocket up here, but yeah. Agree it's an asset to the state and also to Durian Bay as well, because you have to pass through Durian mm. to get there. So, I mean, we stopped in at the bakery up there and then coming home as well. And Durian Bay was busy when we were there, like trying to get a accommodation. Like we left our planning a little late. Um yeah, and the place we wanted to stay at was all booked up and only just managed to get a room. So obviously they're doing there's good business in country towns at the moment, which is great for them. Mm. Um, and on that, if you're going to drive up, um, just be wary on the roads. There's not many overtaking lanes and a lot of grey nomads out there, so be careful. Yeah, Indian Ocean Drive is famously dangerous. Mm. Oh, we had a few episodes oh, <laughs> of gosh. getting stuck for kilometers after kilometers and not having cars overtake when they can Mm. well and i was just petrified for you to overtake just knowing how many deaths have been on that road i was like make sure it's safe make sure it's safe i'm a good driver (laughs) (laughs) we survived we did that should be the motto (laughs) (laughs) we survived (laughs) only one tick in the boob yeah (laughs) so thank you both for coming in today and talking about your experiences Good to hear and have a different perspective. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode of Real Trail Talk, then please rate us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on. Ratings really help us to reach an audience, especially those who are looking to learn about the outdoors in Western Australia and Australia in general. If you had any questions or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com or contact us through our social media channels. Thanks again and stay tuned for our next episode.